You're listening to Rocks Across the Pond, the curling podcast that goes around the globe looking for the best stories in the world's coolest sport. We have curling news and views for everyone, whether you're playing in your Thursday league or following your favorite teams on tour. Now here are your hosts, Ryan McGee and our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rocks Across the Pond. It's a curling podcast coming to you from Richmond, Virginia. My name is Ryan McGee and joining me in Southampton, England is our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Jonathan, are you ready to go on another field trip? Yes, where are we going this week? Uh, Virtually, we are going to Denmark and we talked to a couple of folks with Danish curling in early January to discuss the suspension of their world's qualifier, which was suspended by an outbreak of COVID-19. So go back and listen to that episode. It kind of, you know, tells you how, how COVID can infiltrate even a, even, even the, the best prepared sports bubble and shut everything down. So, uh, it's a good, uh, listen there, but we didn't want to just touch on something negative when it came to Danish curling. We wanted to take the opportunity to talk to uh, Henrik Christofferson, who's the president of uh, the Danish Curling uh, Association, and with uh, Mads Norgard, who's on Team Michael Krauss. We also wanted to talk to them about Danish curling in general, the history, um, where it's at now, um, how it's growing. And uh, I thought we had uh, two really good uh, conversations with some Danish curlers there, Jonathan. Uh, Yeah. So... Um, I thought, I thought the thing was very interesting. So let's just give it a listen. First question to our guests is always, where are you from and what was it like growing up there? Oh yeah. Um, well then I could start out by saying, um, my name is Henrik Christoffersen and I'm, uh, the president of the Danish curling association. I am, uh, 34 years old and I come from Copenhagen. I've been president for the Curling Association for the last uh, four years now. And uh, I grew up in uh, in a small town, about uh, 30 minutes drive south of Copenhagen. No curling there. Nobody ever heard about curling. But uh, luckily, we have uh, a big city, Copenhagen, now, and we have uh, a lot of uh, curling clubs uh, here now. So that's, that's good. So it was a, a nice growing up, but with a lot of other sports. I've been swimming most of my life. Um, but ended that uh, a couple of years ago. So it's just the uh, occasional running and uh, curling, of course, when time permits. Oh, and so how did you get into curling then if there wasn't curling where uh, where you grew up? Well, actually, it's uh, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, I've used it several times uh, afterwards when, when we have discussed in the association how we should get new members because uh, Asmus, who is one of the ice technicians at the World Curling Federation, I knew him from, well, we're old friends. We go way back. And uh, he never talked about curling. But once uh, once suddenly there was an, an, an event in the local curling club where he was. Uh, I think it was in relation to the Olympics in 2014. And um, then he, he told me, well, why don't you come down to this event? You can, well, you can try to throw a stone. and if it goes well, then maybe you win a membership. 
I said, well, it can't hurt. <laughs> so I went to the club. I threw a stone right in the middle of the house. I won a membership. And, well, that's how I became a member. <laughs> Excellent. So that was a very clever recruiting tool then. Free membership if you throw a stone well. Yeah. Well, at least it worked on me. <laughs> yeah. and, and actually, afterwards, I found out that one of our... A female player, uh, Mathilde Helse, uh, who was also on the uh, Olympic team um, last time in 2018, who's the skip. No, she wasn't the skip, um, the vice skip. And she uh, actually started, I think it was the day before me, in the same club. So, so you could say that we started our curling career uh, the same place. She became a great player and, well... I'm trying to be a good president, so <laughs> two different ways, but uh, but we started the same place. <laughs> yeah, well, excellent. I think that's one of the great things about curling is that it, it creates space for people to be involved in all different kinds of ways. So, yeah, yeah. I think that too. Uh, you have a lot of different ways to get into the sport, and and actually, that's one of the things that we are working on at the moment uh, to to try to get all of our volunteers to get people to volunteer to different tasks. We are going to make a lot of courses uh, together in collaboration with, with the World Curling Federation. So we have some ice technician, we have some coach education, timers, statistics, a lot of different things that we would like to have some of our volunteers to actually participate in. So that's, oh. that's, that's one of the things that we are working on at the moment to, to try to retain members. Ryan and I both find Danish curling really fascinating because it's it's done quite kind of quite well for the size of its federation. It it uh, you, you normally tend to qualify for the Olympics, obviously not every time and in every discipline, but there's normally a Danish team in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, you won your women's team won the first silver medal back in 1998, um, but there's also times where Danish curling has fallen down to the sea pool in European curling as well. So. Obviously, there's an interesting story there about a kind of a small country that kind of can do very well, but it's also sometimes in a bit of a precarious uh, situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and might I even add, uh, in, in 1998, as you mentioned before, we won the first uh, this silver medal. And actually, it's, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the only medal that Denmark has ever won at the Winter, Winter Olympics. Oh, wow. So in, in any discipline at all in the Winter Olympics. Yeah, at least the silver medal, I think. I, I think. <laughs> and so, so, yeah. so, I, so I was in Canada at the time when, when I remember the match very well because it was against Sandra Schmerler and it was the first time a Canadian team uh, won, <laughs> won a gold medal. So it was a big deal in Canada too. Yeah. Um, and I remember at the time the announcers in Canada said that Denmark did not have any curling rinks. So I'm not sure if that was true. Uh, you certainly have some rinks now, but so can you just tell us the history of curling rinks in Denmark then? Yeah, uh, I, I think it's actually true. At that point, we did not have curling rinks in Denmark. Everybody, uh, all curling clubs, they had to share the ice with ice hockey or skate skaters. And uh, well, for everybody who has played on, on ice hockey ice, they know it's not the same as playing in a dedicated uh, curling ice rink. So... So afterwards, actually, uh, we have had um, four curling rings, dedicated curling rings in uh, in Denmark, and um, and actually we're going to have another one um, in the end of this year. We are going to uh, to have another one in in the central Copenhagen, uh, central uh, Denmark, uh, in in Odense, 
it's called. There's a little club there, uh, and they have uh, actually found the economy and um, and are going to 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 build a rink. Uh, I'm actually going there on the 22nd of January um, to to the construction site. We're going to build this. There's going to be a little reception. Um, to just mark that now this this the building of this ice rink is is going to happen. So we look very much forward to that, the the fifth uh, ice rink in Denmark. And so so how big are these rinks? Are they kind of two sheet rinks, or are they four sheets, or are there there any six sheet rinks? Or well, they are actually quite different. Um, we have in uh, in Gentofte, uh, where I also started playing, we have two dedicated rings. And in uh, in Vidor, we have four sheets. I think it is, yeah, four sheets. Esbjerg, uh, where there's also been uh, a lot of, of championships, actually. I think it's mostly juniors, but there's been some, some international events. Um, they also have four or five sheets. And then in Tornby, which definitely has hosted a lot of junior uh, curling championships and also some for the sea, uh, sea pool. Um, some championships there, and uh, they have. Uh, I think actually they have seven rings, uh, seven sheets at the moment. Um, so so that's uh, that's that's quite big, and I'm not sure how it ended in in Odense, but I think it will be a four sheet um, rink there. But I'm not sure sure of that though. Oh great! So how many curlers are there then in Denmark and? Um... What proportion would you say play competitively or at the high performance end versus those who play recreationally? Well, we have around uh, 850 players in in Denmark uh, at the moment. And um, I think that, well, if we look at at the competitive level who are playing uh, internationally as well, we have around 25 players, maybe 30, when we include both juniors, wheelchair curlers, uh, and and mix. So, um, so that's um, it's it, we're a small nation. <laughs> it's still, I mean, it's bigger than England. England's only a couple of hundred, so uh, it's it's still a pretty good size, I'd say. Would you? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you must have bond spiels. So, are are there kind of any bond spiels you'd like to let our listeners know about that might be uh, kind of possible for them to participate in, whether they're kind of competitive cash spiels or more sociable sociable bond spiels? Yeah, I think in, in, in Denmark, most of, um, of the tournaments that we host is primarily for social uh, social activities. We don't have these large money uh, prize uh, tournaments. But the association itself does not host any major tournaments uh, that are open to all players. But but most of the clubs here in Denmark, they have a long tradition of hosting uh, tournaments. I think actually almost every major club, at least, they have a tournament and they are always uh, uh, open for international players as well. Um, and so how, how should you find these tournaments if you want to come to Denmark? Of course, we hope that you will. Um, I talked to our communications consultant earlier today uh, exactly about this. And uh, we are going to work on the possibility to post invitation to these Danish tournaments on our webpage on curling.dk uh, and maybe even on our Facebook page as well. Because we do love having uh, foreigners come to our clubs and play. It's, 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 it's always... Um, 
it's quite fun and it's always interesting to learn other people. Um, so, for instance, uh, I know some people in Denver, and um, I got to learn them because, well, I'm not sure how they found this tournament, but at least they came to Denmark and played at uh, at the club where I play. And uh, we had a great time, and we talked a lot, and then I went to Denver, I think it's two years ago now, to play at one of their uh, club tournaments over there. So, it's a lot of friendship, it's, well, you could say it's the spirit of curling. Um, so, so of course, we, we invite everybody to come to Denmark, and, and at the moment we're not that good at actually telling the world that we exist and that the clubs are hosting these tournaments so but we will look into that so it's just um keep an eye on on curling.dk and our facebook page uh, then then something magical will happen i'm sure <laughs> so you told us before about how you got started in curling but i'm assuming that's not the typical story so um, what, do, what do you do to recruit new members? Do you have uh, a marketing or grassroots campaign that's been successful in getting more people to take up the game? Because obviously you've gone from no curling ranks to 850 uh, curlers and five ranks in, in a generation. So uh, what have you been doing to try to grow the game? Well, actually, it, it is the typical form is that people know people and bring friends to the club. I think that has been the the reason um, for new members to actually start. And then we do have the Olympics. Olympics are very big in Denmark. We are a small nation, but, but when it comes to the Winter Olympics, maybe we don't participate in that many uh, disciplines, but everybody watch curling. And we can see it every time we have an Olympic. We can see that the... Uh, uh, we can see an increase in members in almost every club in Denmark. So it is this this fascination of the sport. Our problem is then that we haven't been good enough to actually retain these members afterwards to get them into this uh, the world of curling. Um, and that is something that we, we work on. Um, and then I think that at the moment we have just changed a bit of the strategy um because before we decided we 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 focused a lot of junior curlers we tried to think okay how do we get international medals well that requires that we have some players who have played for many years who started when they were young so we need young players and that's what we started trying to recruit these young people however if we look at the members in our clubs we do not have many juniors and you could ask yourself uh, if you were a 14 year old girl would you find it more attractive to play curling with a group of 60 year old men or to play with youngsters around your own age so this is to say we, we, we took this example and said okay we need to recruit people that are almost the same age as the members we already have to grow the sport and when we grow we get the economy to do a lot of different initiatives to get younger people into the clubs not only focusing on the young people that we would really like to have but but we need to focus on a more broader scale to get more members to to strengthen the the curling association overall and then we can 
of course, if you get a lot of new members, then you get a lot of, uh, of, of public publicity. You get a lot of uh, people playing curling, and well, then, well, one thing leads to another, and and people start to curl because I know somebody who does. And then the young people, they will come. I'm sure of that. But focusing only there, well, I think that has been a mistake. So what are the greatest challenges that you face in growing the game in Denmark? Um, when we interviewed Mads, he said the, there's a perception in Denmark, and I think in a lot of places, that curling isn't the most physically demanding sport, and it's a bit looked down on to a certain extent. But you've also said that uh, you have a bit of prestige from your kind of Olympic success. So mm. what what has the Federation done to, to kind of address these kinds of challenges? Yeah, I, th- I think Mads is, uh, is, is absolutely right. Um, I can hear it myself sometimes when I meet people, new people, and I say, I curl. Well, then they look a bit skeptical at me and say, well, is that actually, is that really a sport? Is that, <laughs> is that really something that you want to tell people that you do? <laughs> and, and, and of course, I think it's the same here that we have not been good enough to actually tell what is curling to tell how demanding is it actually we can see it when when the club when when clubs host uh, guest events when everyday people who just heard about curling they decide to to come with their friends and family and say okay let's try to play curling and we put an instructor uh, to them and we say this is how it's done they ask whoa this is this is difficult first of all it's very difficult and it's hard you need to concentrate for a very long time and we say yes and that's not what you see on the telly. On the telly, you just see maybe four four people just throwing rocks down a sheet of ice. How difficult can that be? Because they don't understand what's behind the game. They don't understand the strategy. And we haven't been good enough to actually tell that, to tell what is behind this game. Why is it that we, we, we find it so good? And why is it that that it's so hard to win medals. <laughs> so um so so I think we have decided to be better to communicate this and to bring stories to life about curling players. Um of course we we do love the story about Matilde who who um, <clears throat> who, who started the same year as I and after only 4 years she was at the Olympics. It's a great story about a great player, but unfortunately, it also tells some people that you can just start to curl if you want to be at the Olympics. It's just four years, and then you're good to go. How difficult can that be? So we need to communicate very clearly about what is the sport, what does it require, and still at the same time, and that's the difficult part, at the same time, till it's a game that everybody can participate in. You don't need to be able to run uh, 10 miles in half an hour. That's not necessary to play curling. It's a great game, a lot of fun, and you can play it, well, even if you're in a wheelchair. So it's it's there's a lot of things that you need to communicate at the same time. And at least in Denmark, I don't think we've been good enough to do that. Maybe also because we only had volunteers to take care of our Facebook and our web page and now we don't now we have actually hired somebody to do it and it it 
already now we can see a lot of uh, a lot of change uh, in in that way we communicate so it's i think it's very important to not just uh, say well everybody watches on 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 the telly every four year uh, so everybody must know what curling is and then actually think we need to tell what curling is yes they have seen it but we need to tell what it is uh, you're a relatively small country, mm. but since uh, curling returned to the Olympics in 98, the women's teams qualified for every tournament and they've won a silver medal and the men's team have missed out only twice. So mm. what's been your country's secret uh, to being so consistent at the Olympics, despite a relatively small number of curlers? Well, I think it's it's difficult to say, but um, but I think it shows that 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 with players who are actually well what should we say players who wants this players who are really committed to actually playing curling uh, if you have that then money is not the your, your biggest concern of course you can do a lot with money but but if you look at at, at exactly the danish curling well we have dedicated players with talent and we can actually, for the last many many years, we haven't paid them any salary. Actually, they are going. They they are actually paying us to send them to to championships around the world and represent us because we don't have economy. But they are dedicated. They have talent, and they want to do this. They want to represent Denmark. They think it's 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 funny. They're proud of it, and I think that says a lot actually. Because yes, we are a very, very small nation. So what what makes a player say, let me use all my spare time in the ice rink. I have to pay for it and I have to take vacation from my job. But I think it's funny. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so probably the most famous Danish curler is Rasmus Sterne, who he won the world junior gold in 2010 and he won the world silver medal championship in 2016. Mm -hmm. But he also like recently retired, I think after the 2018 Olympics at a relatively young age, I think it was about 30. Mm. So what has the Danish curling federation done to try to fill this gap? Well, you could say, first of all, we tried to, to look at this, the elite in another way. Because beforehand, we had, um, to make a long story short, uh, we only primarily focused on one men's team and one women's team. They got all the support, they got everything, all the attention. But afterwards, after uh, Rasmus, after he, uh, he, he, he retired, <laughs> I feel bad saying retired when he's 30, but... But still, um, after he, he he retired from from the curling, we have uh, had a lot of um, debates, discussions, workshops on how could we make sure that the best players in Denmark are going to play together, going to train together, be better, um, and not just one team, because of course it's quite vulnerable if you only have one team. Because when 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 Rasmus when he he retired, who was there to take over for him? We had a lot of players, but they needed to find each other. They needed to 
to see the new future that they could actually become the new national team. So we have created a new, we call it elite center for all the best players. And they uh, have a national coach. They have dedicated uh, training hours. Uh, I don't remember how many, but <laughs> but they do have a lot of, of, of practice time in different clubs where we make sure that the ice is good, that it's actually at a competitive competitive level. So they train on some very good ice. And, and, and then we have decided to only send people who are a member of this elite center they are the only ones who are going to represent denmark and i think it's it's too early to say but i think it will be the best for danish curling um in the times to come because in in, in my opinion we shouldn't be uh, be in the C pool then the A pool and then going down to B and then up to A and then down again to C that's not how it should be we should always be in the A pool if you ask me of course so we, we interviewed Muds and he kind of and I think you just kind of hinted at this before earlier mm-hmm. as well is that you have a very interesting high performance model it's the first time I've heard of this is that he said that uh People, if they want to be part of the the elite program, they actually have to pay and join an elite specific curling club. But he said it wasn't like exclusive. He said as long as someone was at kind of a, like a good level and was demonstrating the commitment, they could join. Um, and then you then if it, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but then you only invite certain number of teams for the for the world championship qualifier but then you have a separate danish championship that's open to anybody is that is that correct mm-hmm. uh yeah yes it is it is we decided to well everybody can participate in this in the um in this elite structure elite centers as i, I mentioned before um but but still the national coach can say, if you're not serious about your training, if you just pay the fee, pay the yearly fee, but you do not practice, then the national coach is actually allowed to say, you are not going to represent Denmark. We are kicking you out <laughs> um, because you need to practice. You need to be serious about what you do. And and then you could say, yes, you have to pay. Um, and that is... Uh, for many reasons, one of them is to actually sort out the people who are not serious about it, because they have to pay. Uh, I think it's two thousand uh, Danish corner. Uh, so, so how much year. is that in in euros or US dollars? Say, uh, let's see. It's about three hundred and thirty US dollars. Okay, so. So, but I mean, I guess it's a lot, but it's also not that different from a typical curling club annual membership either. No, no, absolutely not. So, and and for this, um, of course, you we sort out the people who are not uh, who are not serious about it, of course, because they don't want to pay for well nothing, and um, and then we use this this um, this money. We use it to actually pay for better ice for their practice to give salary to the national coach and we also grant um, for tournaments if a team for instance the team who are going to play at the Worlds when they have qualified 
well, if they want to play at at something at the um, an international tournament with with a high quality, um, well, then we can grant some some money for that as well, um, and of course we pay for all their 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 clothes, um, the, the player clothing, um, and we pay for. Uh, for some of the the food at least uh, and some of the travel expenses not all for instance when when we're going when the men were there when they're going to um, to Canada uh, later this year well they are going to pay a little bit themselves but everybody knows that when you are part of this structure you pay this these money and if you're going to represent Denmark well then you will get not only, what corresponds to 2000 Danish corner you will actually get a lot more than that so all players have actually accepted it and, and says well if this makes sure that we can always practice several times a week we can practice together we can practice in good eyes and we can represent Denmark and we are also granted money when we're going internationally well that's a fine price to pay and is there any other source of funding for this club besides the the membership fees? Is there because it, it's you know it sounds like the players are getting a bit more back in funding than they're paying in. So is there any other? There must be other sources of funding then. Yes, there is. Um, the Danish uh, Danish um, it's called Sporting Association. They also grant us uh, a lot of money actually, and we're we're very very happy about that um, and honored that they are actually they believe so much in us that they are. Well, actually, they are mostly paying all other expenses that the players are not paying themselves. So that's uh, that's very very good. And it, does it include juniors as well as adult curlers, or is the the junior system set up slightly differently? Uh, the juniors are actually the same. Um, at the moment, we do have some junior curlers, uh, not many. But because of national uh, restrictions, we have a lot of issues in how to actually train these juniors because the national restrictions say that they are not elite players, no matter what we say. So they are actually um, not allowed to train at the moment. Wow. Yeah, so they, they just sit and wait, <laughs> practically. So... But but of course, when hopefully this pandemic is over, uh, hopefully soon, well, then we need to to take care of the juniors. We need to actually also talk with them and say, how can we fit this model to work better for you? Because at the moment, it is these uh, senior players. It is uh, it 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 is created with them in mind. But of course, those junior players that we have. Not many, but those we have, we need to take care of them. We need to make sure they practice, they get better because, well, they are the future of Danish curling. Well, so thanks very much for joining us today, Henrik. It was it was great to, to hear how Danish curling is progressing. Um, is, first of all, is there, for our listeners, if they wanted to follow Danish curling, um, like what, what channels do you have on social media and on the internet? And secondly, is there anything else you'd like to, to let our listeners know about Danish curling? Well, uh, to start with the first thing, we are uh, available um, at our webpage, of course, uh, curling.dk. 
And we are also on Facebook. We have a Facebook page called, uh, well, and this is not uh, internationally. Uh, maybe we should do something about that. <laughs> but it's um, Dansk Curling Forbund. It's a Danish Curling Association. Uh, I'll see if I can uh, can do something. But else, I think that you are actually following us. So I guess maybe they may you can look at at your followers. Podcast. <laughs> 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 so and then you will definitely find um, uh, the Curling Association. And uh, as uh, a newer thing, we actually also have a YouTube challenge channel. We don't use it as much right now but we are there and you could find us um also danish curling uh, i think it's just uh, danish curling um that you need to 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 type in and um we're there and we are going to stream uh, we have started streaming since the the uh, the national law at the moment says that we are not allowed to have any spectators then we have bought a lot of uh, cameras and cables and equipment <laughs> so we have actually started streaming all of our matches but we will um, announce it on our on our facebook page when we are going live so um yeah so that's a web page Facebook and on YouTube. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us today, and good luck uh, restarting your championship. And hopefully, uh, like when the pandemic ends, you're able to get the junior program and everything else back running again. There's this one rugby league podcast I listen to um, called Rabbitohs Radio, and like the first question that they ask their guests, I love it, so I stole it. Um, so you can just, you know, tell us a little about it, a little bit about yourself. Like, um, where are you from and what was it like growing up there? Right. Uh, so my name is Mess. Uh, I live in a suburb called Vidova, just outside of Copenhagen, which is the capital of uh, Denmark. Um, quiet neighborhood, like uh, grew up in a white house with a red roof, <laughs> uh, like very close to my school and um uh, Denmark is quite an uh, like I think we're uh we're the happiest country in the world they call us uh I think that's maybe not true but uh we're we're quite uh, satisfied with our living situation uh we have a healthcare we don't have a worry in the world so we just go on with our lives uh, um I had fun growing up and in Vizor and so close to the rink. I used to play music. Curling is pretty much the only sport I've ever done. Uh, never played soccer, never played uh, handball, never did tennis, nothing like that, just curling. Um, fell in love with the sport. It's amazing. I gained so many good friends from the sport and it's been my life for uh, 14 years now. And uh, I think... Uh, it uh, helped shape me as a person a lot. Uh, I think it uh, changed my perspective of uh, of how you should treat one another. Uh, like it changed me and, and you have to be a gentleman. So it's a gentleman sport and you have to act like that every day of your life and not just on ice. You have to be respectful of your, uh, the, your hum the human beings around you. Uh, and I think uh, curling has got, uh, does a good job in teaching that to young people because uh, that might have been a problem in my young years. 
you're very self-centered and I think curling helps you develop um, a good team spirit within yourself and not just for curling and like, but your life in general. Um, how, how did you first get started playing the sport? Uh, yeah. So normally in Denmark, the most top level curlers, they're born into the sport. Uh, so mm-hmm. their mom, dad uh, used to play, but not me. Uh, I think I was maybe like 12, 13 years of age uh, during holiday in Sweden. And then I watched the Olympics uh, and saw, and I thought I got to try that. So uh, two weeks after coming home from holiday, I was like, the local club had um, had like come try curling because of the Olympics. Um, so went there, started playing a couple of weeks, and then a team came and asked me, do you want to play with us at the Junior Danish Championships? And I was like, sure, no problem. Uh, so I played lead after only two months of playing curling at the Danish Junior Championship and won a bronze medal. And I thought, wow. this is fun. <laughs> I should keep playing. <laughs> And cut to like three, three and a half years later, I won the Danish championship and played the junior world championships in 2011. So is that what kind of first, is that what kind of got you hooked on the sport was just that early success or was there like, a you know, was it a social aspect of it or anything else that kind of hooked you to, to staying with the sport? It for sure was a lot about the social aspect of the sport. Um, I've, I've gotten so many good friends uh, during the years of playing junior curling. Uh, also, the per- like the best junior camp in ever in the world uh, at the uh, Infusen in Germany every summer. Mm-hmm. I were there three times. Uh, best experience of my life, I think, curling wise at least. Um, so I think. In that way, as a junior player, you gain a lot of friends from curling. Um, and I think that's why I kept playing. Then also the the success made so that you get, got more money for playing more tournaments. And then you could go see your friends in other countries besides only the summer, uh, the summer camp. So how does, um, so how do the championships work in, in Denmark? How does Danish curling organize its national championships and its kind of international team selection approach? Right. So we have a, an elite center. Uh, so everybody interested in representing Denmark has to be a part of this elite center, which is at the moment, two ladies team and two men's teams. Um, so we pay from our own pocket to uh, be a part of this elite center. And then you're allowed to to uh, sign up for playing like, for example, the world championship qualifier or the European championship qualifier. The Danish championships is for everybody. So club level players can sign up for the Danish championships uh, and still play for the for the gold medal there. But you won't get anything besides the gold medal and the Danish mm-hmm. championship title, uh, which we used to. If you won the Danish championship, you would be sent to the European championships, which is not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Um which is nice because uh, we had some incidents with uh, teams having a fluke week weekend and played amazingly, which they wouldn't do normally and then send off to Europeans and we wouldn't want that again. So we're trying to uh, do it more like best of five, best of seven games instead of this. It's just this one final game deciding everything. 
and being a small country with not a lot of players, you have to make sure it's the best team you're set, uh, sending off to representing you. Is there any for the for the Danish championships and not necessarily the qualifier? Is there any like prize money or anything else other than just being able to call yourself the Danish champion um, involved involved in that tournament? No, no prize money at all, uh, not for any of them. So European qualifier championship thing, mm-hmm. the world world qualifier, there's no money involved. It's mm-hmm. um, it's basically you get some funding for going, but some of the money might come from your own pocket. Like for example, Europeans, European Championship. We were lucky; it's very close, so we didn't have to pay a lot of money for transportation the last time. We had to drive for twenty minutes, and then we were there. So, uh, in that terms of that, we were, we were lucky the last time. But uh, mostly, uh, the Danish Association has the money to pay for transportation and mm-hmm. uh, like the stay during the time there. So hotel. Um, but other than that, we get some food money, but for a week it's on the low side because we don't have a lot of money. So, so have you guys noticed, like, are there a lot fewer teams that sign up for that Danish championship now that there's not that, that reward of getting to possibly go to euros? Uh, no, I think actually more teams are signing up for the Danish championships because it's not really, yeah. Because now it's not it's not a serious like as serious tournament like like you would play your heart out to win this anymore. It's just the Danish Championships. Um, so it's uh, I think more teams are compelled to just come play some curling and not just like at least try to like play your best, see if you can get a medal. If not, it's not the end of the world. Does um, your team enter it? Yes, we do. Uh, okay. Most of the top level teams play it because it's it's fun and you get to talk to a lot of of people from across Denmark that you don't see on a regular basis. Um, so, because right now the most of the teams are from Copenhagen, uh, just one team are is not playing at our local club, so uh, it's only the other men's team that play in uh, another club than us. Um, yeah, so it's nice to see people and play some good curling if possible if you hit the weekend. And uh, yeah, so it's a, it's more of a, a cozy tournament, but still serious. It's not like one of the club level uh, <laughs> tournaments, but it's uh, it's more fun so than world championship qualifier, for example. How how unique are you? Like, how many other players like within those? You know, the the two elite men's teams, the two elite women's teams, how many, how many players are like you that are really first generation curlers that weren't necessarily born into the sport? Wow. Uh, that's a good question. I think, I think maybe two thirds of the players in Denmark are not born into the sport. Okay. But I think the rest is possibly born into the sport some way or another. Um, yeah, I think around there. So was it was it easy for you to get access to to practice ice to to get better when you first started or you know did you have to drive a long way to to get to the rink how was that uh, right so I'm very lucky uh, I live in a suburb of uh, Copenhagen and uh, Copenhagen has three of of the clubs with which have their own sheets of ice so it's not ice hockey ice getting transferred into curling ice once a week which it is at some of the clubs. But three clubs here has uh, 
has their own sheets and I live at the moment I live 3.5 kilometers away from the rink and I used to live 2.5 kilometers away from the rink so it, it would take me like 10 minutes to get to the rink on a bike and uh, I could play as much as I want basically um, they're the club the local club I have here they're very good at bringing in new players juniors and grown-ups for that uh, sake uh, so I had uh, coaches from the get-go. Uh, I started playing, and I had uh, we had coaches uh, once a week at least. Um, and then when I started playing with my uh, my junior team back in the day, which is the same team I went to the world championships with, the junior world championships, uh, we had a coach from the for day one as well, and he kept kept with us until we he thought he couldn't teach us anymore. Um, yeah, so the local club here, they're very good at bringing in new players. Uh, and I think most of the clubs in Denmark are because we're interested in getting more players into the sport. What are some of the things that they do well that you think um, brings in new players? Uh, I think uh, the, the social aspect of the clubs in Denmark is in Denmark, curling is a very social sport. Um, we have... I think all the clubs in Denmark have their own like club level for fun tournament with some cash money prizes for the top teams. But uh, a lot of players just come to play these for the fun of it. Um, and I think that's the main reason that uh, curling is a good sport in Denmark because it's very social here. It's not as, co- as uh, competitive as it is in, for example, Canada where you only see the top teams, you never see like the, the low level curlers until they get to that top level. Um, do you, so your team, so do you, do you, you must also play on tour. So have you, what's your, what have you been able to do this season in terms of events? Right. So because of lockdown, we only played one, uh, international tournament this year. We played in, uh, the Baton masters. um, which was like one of the first tournaments on the tour. I think, I think it might actually be the first one on the men's side on the world curling tour, um, which was the only tournament we've played because Denmark locked down. And um, I think our, uh, like my team, we were hesitant to go travel because we didn't want to get infected. Um, So also money is a problem because three of us are students so getting the money for traveling is tough. Um, so only one tournament, sadly. We had a few others in mind, but they were canceled because of COVID. So uh, yeah, sadly, only one tournament for us. Um, then we played a few local tournaments um, and then just practice a lot, I think. So sadly, only one. Yeah. And so is your, like, are you guys able to get any sponsorships or are you basically just paying out of pocket to like go to the Baden Masters or go to any of these, any of the tournaments there in Europe? So uh, we pay money to be a part of this elite center, the Danish Curling Association has, but they also provide us some fundings for traveling. So we pay a a bit of money to them, but they also give us quite a bit back. Um, So... 
basically most of the trip we had to Baden is uh, funded by the Danish Curling Association. Um, but besides food and uh, the stay, luckily we were able to stay uh, uh, like privately in Switzerland. So we did have to pay for that. So most of the trip is paid for us, like plane tickets and stuff like that. But food is uh, another thing we have to pay ourselves uh, during our stays around the world. Uh, and Just, it's always been like that. Um, we don't really have a lot of sponsors. We used to have a few, but they're hesitant to, like, they don't sponsor with money. Mm. They're more likely to, like, sponsor, we will pay for your jerseys or we will pay for new shoes or something like that. But just giving us straight up money to travel for it's uh it's another thing because the sport isn't big enough in Denmark for that. And so when you when you get to this elite when you get into the elite center does does the Danish curling association form the elite teams or do you guys get accepted to that program as a team? Yeah, we get accepted uh, as a team. It is possible to sign up for them as an individual, so without a team, but um uh, you have to have your own team basically to uh, to sign up uh, at the moment, at least, because there are so few players that it's kind of impossible to like put together a lot of teams that would be uh, good enough to play internationally. Um, so sadly, it would be nice if we had enough top level players that could be so they could like make mix and match. Uh, but at the moment, it's not possible. Do so. Is it like a competitive process? So do they only take four teams, two men and two women, and like a whole bunch of teams sign up? Or is it? Uh, no, everybody can sign up. So if you want to be a part of it, you can. Um, there is some requirements, like you have to practice so and so much. You have to train, so like go to the gym so and so much. There are some requirements. Uh, also the national coaches can be like, I know we want to be a part of it, but you're not serious enough to play at this level. Um, so, but again, we have to play to be a part of it. And I, I think that's a good way to, to like sort out the players that are not serious enough to be in this elite center and to represent Denmark because they have to put up their own money before actually being accepted. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's a good way to like sort out the, the players that are not serious enough to be at this level. That's actually really interesting. So I think a lot of countries that they have a, a national program, it's people sign up and then they, they expect to get paid. <laughs> I think you're the first country I've heard of where you have to pay, they'll take you, but then there's expectations and the coaches can, can, I guess, say no, if you don't think you're being serious enough. And I think that's a, I think that's a very important for Denmark because we are such a, a tiny country and we don't have a lot of good players and, uh, my point of view is that, uh, like, sort out anyone who's not serious enough. We have to make it on an international level to uh, keep getting funded by Danish, uh, like, sports associations. Because um, they are pretty much the ones that are paying the whole thing. Um, so I think it's important that we have some coaches that will take responsibility and who we sent to the world championships or the Europeans or in the, the Olympics. So I think it's a great way to sort out the, the, the serious players from the non-serious players. 
you mentioned the change of the Danish champion, the the winner of the Danish championships no longer going to Euros, and you were a part of the teams that basically rescued Denmark from the European <laughs> scene division. And yeah. once you got, when you guys got regulated, uh, relegated to uh, European C, it was like, it was like watching, you know, if you're a soccer fan, it was like watching Leipzig after Red Bull bought the team or Juventus after they got relegated for match fixing and just the way they worked their way straight back up to the top. But you guys went in the span of like 18 months, you went from the European C division to playoffs of the European A division. So like, was it, was there a plan put in place by Danish <laughs> curling to kind of to get back there or was it just the it was was it just sending the right players i i think uh, there was a plan uh i wasn't involved in it uh <laughs> i wasn't told at least but uh i think the part of the thing with we don't send the team that win the danish championships anymore uh, i think that has had a big part of uh, to do with it um so you had to be in this elite center uh, the elite center is quite new, but there was were some of the startup things from it, uh, like the those eighteen months ago or so. <laughs> uh, no, um, so I think the Danish curling association had a plan, but uh, I think they were uh, satisfied with what teams were sent to go after playing the European uh, uh, qualifier. Um, so actually my team we didn't win when we went to the c group uh we placed second i believe and then uh, the other team weren't qualified because they didn't meet up for the uh they didn't um how do you say that like they didn't uh, fulfill the mm. the requirements the coaches set up so you had to fulfill these requirements to place so, or for example train this much and stuff like that and we were the only team that that fulfilled that so they sent us to the c group um went through undefeated it kind uh, of dominated it was the, yeah. the score line some of those score lines especially in like the championship game are kind of ridiculous uh yeah there was a weird championship for, it was in denmark which was nice it's kind of we stayed at home we didn't live in a hotel during that time and I think that maybe like calmed down the nerves a lot that everything was just like going to a practice game basically um, at our local club. Um, that might have helped, but um, I think that kind of showed that Denmark had no place to do in the C group. I think we're, uh, it was kind of a fluke that Denmark moved down to the C group. It shouldn't have happened, but it did. Um yeah, so then B group, I was with as an alternate uh, in the beginning. They played two games and then the national coach or the coach we brought along, he was like, we have to change something because we're losing two games in a row. So I ended up playing fourth rocks for the team. Um, and we won all games from there besides one, I think. I believe so. We won pretty much every game from that point on. Um which was lucky because the B group is so tough. Like uh, the teams there are really good. Um, I was impressed with the level, actually. I don't think there's a ton of difference between the A group and the B group, actually. Like there is, of course, the top teams like Nicholas and uh, 
the Scottish teams, Bruce and uh, Ross Patterson, the Swiss teams, uh, also very, very good. So uh, those top top uh, teams are, of course, in the top of the A group. But besides from that, I think the A group and the B group are quite similar. Um, I think you guys proved that. You guys proved that the very next year when you went to the A group and wound up in the semifinals, right? Right. Uh, I think... I think the A group uh, that was my that was my own team. I went to the A group with for the, the first time. The C group were my own team as well, but A group mm-hmm. with my own team. I was third by skip, um, and I think we played very well. But it also helped out us a lot uh, that we were the underdogs pretty much for every single game. Yeah, uh, I think that helps uh, my team a lot. Because um, nobody expected us to be able to play at that level, um, and I think we played uh, we played our best at the right moments. So, for example, beating Italy was tremendous for the results. Uh, beating Scotland as well was a big thing that helped us a lot as well. Um, and I, I think we were really proud of our uh, performance at that A group. How does um, how does curling kind of fit in the sports landscape there in in Denmark? I'm guessing obviously you guys are really good at handball, and then I'm guessing like <laughs> European. I'm guessing soccer is probably the number one sport there. But then how does curling fit into the the sports landscape there? Mm, how low can you go? <laughs> oh uh, no! <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, everybody doesn't really in Denmark. We don't look at curling as a sport. And um, most mm. people think it's not, you don't have to be in good shape to play, which is not true. Um, I think uh, we place very low. Um, like everybody think it's fun that you play curling and it's interesting. And uh, it's uh, they know it's a tough game to play, but they don't think it's very physical, uh, which is, it. I feel like it's turn, turning more and more into a very physical game. Like looking at Brandon Butcher's team, for example, like the amount of shots they make because of those two sweepers is amazing. Um, so I think more and more you have to have very powerful sweepers to make it on the top level, uh, and not so much uh, looking at the like the the skill level of the of the players. It has to be high, but even more so, you have to have two strong guys on the front end sweeping for you so i think it's very physical and in denmark everybody thinks it's not a physical game at all it's just uh they basically think you put up on some ice skates and then go like yeah sweep the floor like they always the same joke can you sweep my floors as well uh no because i'm gonna break your broom (laughs) is that perception basically what you guys have to overcome to make the sport grow even more in denmark yeah, I think so. That's like that's why it's tough getting sponsors and stuff like that because they think they're not like they're not athletes. It's uh they're not playing a sport. It's just uh, some fun and games. Because you because uh, I mean you've you've had Denmark's had some decent results at the Olympics. Obviously, yeah. I've, you know I've seen Team Sterna. I mean I watched I watched 
a very young me was crushed when uh, John Schuster uh, blew a game against Johnny Fredrickson in mm-hmm. in the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, and of course, uh, Madalena's team has has been to the Olympics as well. Um, so it's not it's not like you guys are completely shut out. You know, you're getting there to to the biggest stage, and so it's just a, a, per, a perception about the sport that has to change to really make the sport grow there. Exactly, and I think I think it's starting to like the the TV coverage is getting better and uh, it's more like everybody uh, likes more uh, uh, press talk and more uh, focus in the media. Uh, I think that helps out a lot because they're starting to see it's actually tough. And I think they have to somehow we have to make the Danish pop, uh, population like see what does a training day look like for a curling player. Because it's uh, what I know of. It's uh, more tough than what uh, the ice hockey players of Denmark is doing. Because <laughs> uh, I've been training as, uh, alongside them for quite a bit now, and what they do in the gym compared to what we have to do is not a lot. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good luck to you guys in the future. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to? shout out like where people can follow you on social media do you have any uh like you said you said you played music do you have a soundcloud you want to promote or anything like that i don't play music anymore you can look me out on youtube i beatbox a bit Um, okay where can people find you uh, don't look me up (laughs) you should go search for that you can go uh check out our team page on instagram it's a team underscore house so k-r-a-u-s-e uh, also, that's our team name on Facebook. There's not a lot happening at the moment because of the lockdown, so it's not too interesting. But uh, we're trying to put up videos from uh, all our trips we do around the world, um, like a short video from our trips around the world, which should be fun to watch, hopefully. Um, yeah, just check it out, us out on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening to Rocks Across the Pond, a curling podcast. You can find all of our previous episodes and blog posts at rocksacrossthepond.com. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast app, and leave a review. If you enjoyed listening, the greatest compliment we can receive is when you tell a friend about us. That helps us grow and helps us share our love of this great game. If you have a comment or question, or you just want to talk about curling, you can email us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Curling Podcast. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Rocks Across the Pond. Thank you again, and we will talk to you real soon.